Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. Zachariah and Elizabeth were like any young couple in so many ways. They were so excited in their youth, no doubt, about the children they would have, and it was a a normal expectation for them. Uh, Elizabeth was from a a priestly line that went back hundreds of years, And, and Zachariah also from a priestly line, the Levites, and so they just knew and assumed that that they would carry on the, a, a family tradition of giving birth to children that would be in the priesthood serving to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so there were two dreams bound up in one prayer. Lord, would you, would you give us an amazing family and would you promote the coming of the Christ child? They held on to that dream for some time, no doubt, but as the the discussions would happen in a family. It was, hey, can't wait for us to have kids. And then it was, hey, when are you going to have my grandchild? You would never put that pressure on, would you? Anybody in the house? To the point where it was, uh, wow, it's been a long time and we're not able to have children. And the, the prayer kept going, but the dream died inside. And the, the scripture tells us that this couple, uh, they begin to define themselves by what's going wrong in their life instead of what's going right. Ever done that? Uh, Not only that, in the culture of Zachariah and Elizabeth, it was believed that if you were childless, if you faced problems with infertility, that somehow God was not for you. They didn't understand the fact that it could be that we live in a fallen world and bad things happen to good people, and that's just how it is. And and so um, Zachariah thinks that his limits define his failure, but the the truth of the matter, the reality is the opposite is true. His limitations will play an amazing part in God's purpose for life. We've been in this series about waiting, learning that God works in our waiting, that our waiting doesn't have to be a waste of time. And today we get to step into this wonderful truth that God's promises lead us to his purposes. It's not that they don't believe, though. We need to understand, uh, they're believers, they love God. Um, It's just been going on a long time. In fact, the scripture says that they're righteous, that they're blameless, that they're amazing people. But somehow, it's gone on for so long that the scripture tells us that they're old and the dream still hasn't come true. You ever face something like that? A dream forgotten? Uh, something you thought God promised to work on in your life and it it still has not come to place and you might even feel that maybe there's something wrong with me. Well, good news. We get to learn today that God works in powerful ways in our lives and his promises are being used to fulfill his purposes in our lives. The story we find is in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 18. I invite you to open your Bible, stand with me if you would as we read the, God, the Word of God. And if you have your Bible with you, uh, feel free to open it or refer to the screen. In, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. 
and he and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And the, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. He was wise, wasn't he? I am an old man, she's advanced. I like that, you may be seated. Well, Zechariah uh, has this problem in his situation that he believes that uh, God has not been working in his life and the circumstances aren't right. And we can have those same sorts of things, can't we? A uh, financial problem, a spiritual issue, a relationship gone awry. And here's the other thing. Other people had been talking about Elizabeth and Zechariah. We know that's true because she says, the reproach has been moved from me. The people, they, they don't mean anything by it, but they start talking about the situation, about the way things aren't going right in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. And, and they say, you know, really, it must be something they did wrong. After all, if they'd done everything right, they wouldn't be going through that. The problem is, when Elizabeth hears it enough, she begins to believe it. And she starts thinking, you know what? Maybe there is something wrong with me. Uh, Zechariah, though, has uh, this promise from the angel, but he says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. That, all likelihood, the research I show, looked at shows that there's, they're probably 60 or 70 years old. That's what the term advanced means. Uh, some of us are more advanced than others. And so he says, how shall this be? But it, it, it's not um, like Mary who says, how shall this be? How shall I give birth as a virgin? No, that's just simply, I don't understand. Zachariah wants more proof. I think we need to unpack that for a moment because uh, God's going to give this incredible promise and, and Zechariah has been, the scripture says he's been chosen by lot. There's 8,000 priests who are serving in the division, the group of priests named Abijah, and those 8,000 priests come and serve at the temple 
at the same time, and they flip a coin, they roll the dice, they cast lots to decide which four get to go into the temple area, and of those four, they cast lots to decide which one goes in. And as you go in, there's going to be a, uh, there, there will be an altar here that will be lit and burning. That's what the, the one is chosen to do. The others prepare the way, and then there will be showbread, and then there will be uh, a candle, the, a fire that represents the presence of God. Uh, did, you, did you think of the math for a moment? One in 8,000, one in 8,000, one in four of the 8,000, one gets to do the job that Zachariah gets to do. Uh, the, the promises come forth from the angel, and did you miss it? An angel came from heaven. You just heard it this morning, didn't you? As Pastor Brent was talking about our refugee girl that this church is serving and how one of our people is reading along and tells a story about an angel appearing, and she says, that happened to me. Yeah, huh? So, so now Zechariah is one in 8,000 and one of four, and he's the one, and an angel is standing there, and he says, how can I be sure of this? I might be a little thick, right? But come on, are you kidding me? One in 8,000, one of four, one of one, now there's an angel standing talking to you who gives a message of an incredible promise, and you say, not so sure. <laughs> What's the message? Heaven could send an angel as a sign. They could give us a, a God-only moment as a sign. We could be one of 8,000 in a divine appointment, and we could be so, so used to people saying things that aren't true about our situation, or we could be so used to our dream having died that we forget that heaven still works and God still moves. And so there is a tendency in each of us to forget how God wants to use us in our lives beyond what we can think or imagine. Amen? I just want to unpack this promise that has been given by the angel. By the way, the angel says to Zechariah when he asked this question, he says, really, are you kidding me? Okay, that might not be exactly the words. But he does say, I stand in the presence of God. Oh. In fact, when, uh, when Mary in, in Luke 1.37 has Gabriel stand in front of her and he gives her the news, he says, I stand in the presence of God and now nothing shall be impossible with God. Did you hear it? Now, nothing shall be impossible with God. What's your impossible possible today? Come on. The moment I said it, something came to your mind. Some dream that's died, some hope that has vanished, some prayer that you may not think has been answered, with God, nothing is impossible. Uh, let's look at the promises that happen. Uh, verse 13, he says, your prayer has been answered. That's uh, your prayer. The, it's not the one-day prayer. It's not the one-month prayer. It's not the one-year. It's not the 10-year. This is the prayer he's been praying 
for decades, probably 45 years of prayer. What's your prayer? Here's the good news. God is the same in his character. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Here's the principle we get to take to the bank today. God always hears our prayers. It's not really bad news, but it might not sound like it. He doesn't always answer the way we expect. Sometimes he changes the rules in the middle of the game. Sometimes he does it very differently because sometimes God knows that the the change to the answer will be a benefit to the promise and the purpose that he has. So what's your prayer? What have you been praying? Can I, can I encourage you today to carry on? Uh, the next thing I see in his promise is he says your wife will bear a son. Uh, the, the thing that you hoped for so long will be true. I think there were lots of priests and their wife who were infertile in the days of Zechariah. And it was not in the purpose of every one of them that they would be chosen and that they would give birth to the greatest prophet the world had ever known to that point. And, and so not every prayer was answered in the way every person thought it would be. There may have been several were praying that day. God always doesn't heal us physically the way we hope. God does not always give us the dreams the way we wanted, but God always hears our prayer and God is capable fully of fulfilling that which he's planted in our heart. Amen? Uh, we, we see the, the next promise. His name will be called John. Wouldn't it save a lot of trouble if God just sent the name that we're supposed to name our children? He sends a particular name that's important in the promise. The word John, the name John means God has been gracious to us. A lot of people felt like God had not been gracious to them, that God has turned his back on them, that he didn't notice them. And the truth is, God notices us, he loves us, he cares for us, and he speaks. Why don't we just all name our next kids John? I'm done with that, you take care of it. Like, maybe advanced in years. Uh, the, the, next, the, the next part of the promise is, you, he will be great before the Lord. Uh, what parent could want any more? When God fulfills a promise, when God does something in our lives, he does it in a way that's beyond what we could dream or imagine. He says he'll, he'll come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Oh, I like this part. Elijah was the great prophet of the Old Testament. Uh, Israel was combative between who they would trust and who would they live for. Would they live for the false gods of Baal, who believed that these, they believed these false gods would help with fertility and they would, they would help with agriculture, everything that they needed. And, and there was the God of Israel. And the people were going after false gods. And one man, a prophet named Elijah, came forward and he said, it's enough of this. One man, enough of this. And he shaped a whole society. He called a meeting at the top of Mount Carmel and he said, prophets of Baal, there's 800 of you. Build an altar however you want and call upon God to answer, your gods to answer. And they called and nothing happened. And Elijah taunted them. He said, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe he's gone potty. And he said, maybe you need to shout louder so he can hear you. And they began to cut themselves and shout and try to do whatever they could in their own fervency to support their own belief, and nothing happened. 
And Elijah said, now make an altar unto the Lord. Change your focus to the God of Israel. And he said, take a, an animal and sacrifice it, representing the sacrifice to come. And he, he said, now take, take water and pour it upon the sacrifice. And he said, oh, by the way, let's dig a ditch around it and pour some water on it. And they poured some water on it. And he said, not enough water, pour some water on it. And they, he said, not enough water, pour some more water on it. And it filled the ditch and covered the sacrifice. And he says, God, you are God in heaven. And he said, would you answer? And fire came, and it consumed the animal, and it consumed the altar and the rocks and the water. Rawr! I love that part. And he says, Zechariah, I want you to know that the, the son that you have is going to be that kind of son. Parents, can I tell you, you have an incredible ministry in, in the lives of your children. And may God bless us as we do our very best to raise our, our children before the Lord. The next part says he'll have no alcohol. Uh, he, the, the, the Nazarites would take a vow that a certain group of priests would be set aside and they would choose not to take any alcohol because alcohol had fermentation in it and they, that would be compared to sin. And he said he won't be filled with wine or strong drink. He'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I, can I just say, I, I love it when a text says something that has a, a unique twist to it. And, and I read on, on the internet yesterday, I just looked and it said, 88,000 people died of alcohol-related accidents last year. 88,000. Okay. 88,000. I just said could, to myself, could, could we just give ourselves permission? If there's someone who says, I, I don't want to be around drink, I'm, I'm afraid of abuse, I, I don't want anything to do with alcohol in my life, it's hurt me, it's damaged me, we would just give absolute respect and attention and honor to that situation. Amen? Amen. Then I, I noticed the... The scripture goes on and he says, not only will, will there be no alcohol, but verse 15 also says, this baby to be born will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth. Later, as we read on into the, the coming of Christ's story, there's this wonderful moment where Mary comes to visit Elizabeth they're cousins, and she comes into the house, and, and Mary's voice speaks to Elizabeth, and it says, and the baby inside of Elizabeth did a high five and a big jump kick. Well, it's sort of like that. That's, but it, the baby leapt within her womb. The Holy Spirit was on this unborn child. Oh, let us honor the unborn. Oh, let us understand that life is vibrant and powerful before a child ever reaches its first breath. Uh, it goes on to say that, that uh, he'll be the one who turns people back to God and he'll turn the disobedient toward the Lord and he'll prepare a people for the Messiah. While Zechariah thinks that God is not working in this waiting time, uh, 
can I just tell you that God was working in a powerful way? Uh, number one, the, the limitation that Zachariah and Elizabeth carried with them, it was, it was prominent in their mind. It was a reason they thought God hadn't worked. It was their old age. And it was an incredible benefit to magnifying God in their lives. Anybody here advanced in years? Is it possible that God might be using you and that the very thing that you think is a limit is the, the very place of wisdom and honor and study and preparation that God is using you in a powerful way that you can't recognize? Uh, the, the prophet to come would have to be the greatest prophet that Israel has ever known. He will have to be a man who, who stands alone. He'll have to be one who stands against the religious community. He will stand against the government. He will stand against the abuses of Rome. He will personally have to, to speak to Herod about the fact that he shouldn't have an affair with his brother's wife. He will have to be strong and powerful. To be that kind of man, he would have to be raised in a home where, where the, the parents were fearless. The parents learned to stand against the reproach of other people. They would have to not care what other people thought. They would have to be the kind of people that would, would raise a prophet. Guess what? In the waiting, God was working that those parents would be the perfect parents for their children. God was working in the, the way other people judged the situation. There were a, a group of ladies no, I shouldn't say ladies. There were a great group of people. Now you all know I think it's ladies. Oh, well. There were a group of ladies who were chattering. We really need to pray for Elizabeth. You know what? Elizabeth can't have a child. You know what? She must have done something wrong. After all, look at us. We have kids. And you know, she just, she looks good on the outside Zach looks right on the outside, but there must be something wrong. And when that, was babe, that baby was born and a great prophet began to emerge and the story of the angel came, there were some ladies downtown at the tea house. They were eating crow for dinner. I, I think it's a wonderful part of the way God works while we're waiting that, that he was moving in the hearts of people not to be judgmental because Elizabeth's story speaks to all of us that we dare not take on the identity that other people place on our lives. We can begin to believe those things if we're not careful. So Zechariah has received the promise. that they, He says to the angel, how shall this be? Would you give me a sign? And the angel says, okay, you won't speak for nine months. That would be so hard for a preacher man. Here it is, and Zach said to the angel, how shall I know? The NIV says, how can I be sure of this? For I am old and my wife is advanced in years. And Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. Really, Zach? And he says, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak. I didn't know until this year that that word speak can also mean hear. You will be unable to speak, and I believe it's unable to hear. Nine months. The reason I think that is that when Zechariah finally is given the ability to speak and to hear, 
both groups of people in the story about how they will name his son are signing one another. And so it's very likely, scholars tell us, that Zechariah was living in silence and the inability to speak. And in silence, he found new sight after that point. He came home, and he speaks completely differently after that point. He came home after a week of serving. He came to Elizabeth, his wife. They spent time together, and he began to see that her tummy was growing, and it wasn't Christmas candy. He began to realize that God was answering in prayer. And months after that, cousin Mary came by, and they were talking and hugging, and Mary was expecting, and she wasn't yet married. And he began to put the picture together, and he was filled with praise and joy and empowerment. And he began to speak in a powerful way. We learn from this passage that God can use almost any limitation to bring about his promises and his purpose in our life. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter nine, and I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on and in verse three of the ninth chapter, Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it, it changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power, it was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist.